today I've got Jason R. Parker. He is a best-selling author of Sound Retirement Planning, and he hosts a radio show, well, a podcast show called Sound Retirement Radio. He's also been featured on Amazon, uh, not Amazon, I'm sorry, ABC. He's been featured on Fox. He's been featured on MSNBC. He also has come out and created a retirement budget calculator, which I'm sure we'll talk about here soon. I'm excited to have you on. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Jason Parker. Jason, how are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm even better now that I get to have this conversation with you. And I'm (laughs) just so, so excited and so honored to be a guest on your show. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I am flattered. I am absolutely flattered. I know we talked a little bit before we hit the record button, but there is a lot that you do that's very pertinent to the military personnel and just people in general when it comes to retirement. How did you get into the retirement world? Let's start there. I had the really good fortune in my mid twenties to meet my mentor. And one of the things I, one of the things I like to always remind people of is one relationship can totally change the direction of your life. And for me, it was this guy, Dean. Um, I was in my mid twenties. Dean was in his mid sixties. He was at the time the uh, regional manager or district manager, I guess, for a company called GE Financial, uh, which then became Genworth Financial. And he hired me to sell long-term care insurance. So my first my first step, well, it wasn't really the first step because I'd worked in banking and stuff before that, but uh, meeting Dean was uh, under the umbrella of long-term care insurance. And then it was, I, I did that for maybe a year and a half before I um, moved into the investment advisory space. I started a registered investment advisory firm in 2007. Okay, nice. Okay. Now, what caused you to say, all right, retirement, the retirement world is where I want to really focus and dial in on? Because a lot of your content is really focused on helping people in that arena. So where did did that that come to be your calling? How did that come to be your calling? Well, first of all, with personal finance, I can remember going all the way back to fifth grade. And I remember in fifth grade, um, you know, when we were going around the classroom saying, what does everybody wanted to be? I, I said I wanted right. to be a stockbroker. But the reason I wanted to be a stockbroker was <laughs> I had it. read that they had a short life expectancy, that they only lived to like 50 some years old. And I was just trying to be a cool, tough <laughs> kid, you know, in fifth grade. I, that's what I want to do because they don't live a long time. Right. Um, but, uh, but I remember buying like money magazine at an mm-hmm. early age and a lot of my friends were buying mad magazine. And I was buying money magazine. I, I was super obsessed with finance. Like I started my first lawn mowing business when I was 12 and nice. I would, I ended up hiring a couple of my friends and we would uh, mow lawns and I'd go around and pick up dollar bills. And I was so obsessed with my dollar bills. I'd bring them home and I'd wash them in the sink at my house and then I'd blow dry them straight. And I remember the first time I, I had a bank account. And, and back in those days, Oliver, you could get 12% on your passbook savings account. So I brought my dollars into the bank and I deposited them. And a couple of weeks later, I went to take money out. And I remember thinking, that's not the money I gave you. You know, the money I gave you is nice and clean and crisp. And what you're giving me is not what I gave you. So I was, right. it was like the first time I was disappointed thinking to myself, wait a second, I, you're not just holding on to my actual money. You're just giving me back what somebody else's dollar. So anyways... Right. Always really obsessed with finance. I I was fortunate to meet this guy, Dean, Mm -hmm. where I learned that I could make a living doing this kind of work. And I had had, worked in banking before, but I didn't know 
about the path of becoming a financial advisor. And that's what Dean introduced me to. Dean had owned his own broker-dealer firm in Montana years before he had hired me. And he was, he, he was semi-retired. He spent a lot of time on the golf course, but um, he liked to stay active and involved and engaged. And, uh, and so he hired me and I was, he used to tease me and call me King Parker because he said, Jason, you'd always ask me for advice and then you just go do whatever you want to do without listening to anything I say. But so he was, uh, he was, he was just a lot of fun and uh, changed the direction of my life. And so when I was working with Dean, he's, I started out in the long-term care arena, which was mostly mm -hmm. de dealing with people that were getting ready for retirement. And as we were having these conversations about insurance, the topic of investments came up and financial planning came up and how do I know if I really need this insurance? And it, so that's how it kind of opened up the door into the retirement planning space. And then um, I, I found that I was like the world's worst insurance salesperson. I just was not very good at this whole long-term care insurance thing. I just was horrible at it. I'm really good at planning, but I am not good at insurance sales. It just was not my thing. So anyways, had the opportunity to uh, work with Dean. He taught me all about the investment space. He invested in me. He, inv he helped me get the firm started. And... Um, Dean passed away a couple of years ago, but I just, I always think about his influence and, and how I wouldn't have the opportunity I do today if it wouldn't have been for that one relationship. And one of the cool things about how I met Dean, so at mm -hmm. the time I was looking to make a career change. I had been doing fundraising for political organizations, nonprofit uh, political organizations just, just before that. And I, was re I really got burnt out in the political world. I just felt like we we're not making progress as fast as a young 20 year old guy would like to see the world making progress in the nonprofit right. space. So I, I called my dad and said, dad, I got to figure out something different to do. My dad introduced me to a guy named Mike that was living in Florida. One of his good friends, Mike introduced me to a guy named Todd who was living in Seattle. Todd introduced me to Dean and Dean is the one that hired me. And the cool thing about that is um, as I, as I think about connections and relationships I have today, I can identify that most of the connections in my life come from three people. Uh, my dad is a huge connector for me. My wife is a huge connector for me and my friend Dean, my mentor Dean, he has connected me to a lot of people in the professional space. So like I say, once you kind of recognize that most of your relationships, it's like the old 80-20 rule, right? 80% of your relationships flow from 20% of the people. Once you identify those 20% of people, it's it's important to maintain those relationships and protect those those key connectors. Well, I, I think that's, that's actually really important. And the interesting is your love of not just the finance part, but the planning part of it makes you a very dangerous person. You know, this yeah. old saying, of course, you know, if you don't plan, you just plan to fail. Um, mm, and with no, that said, that. you know, with all the stuff that you learned from Dean, what's the one thing that kind of sticks in your head that you always kind of go back to when it comes to what you do now? One of the things I learned from Dean, I learned so much from Dean, but one of the things I learned from Dean, we were coming home from a speaking engagement and we were driving down the road here in the Seattle area and it was raining. And I, in the winter, I just get bogged down with all this rain. It starts to wear me out um, a little bit. And so I was looking out the window and I was just thinking about the rain and Dean was driving and he said, look how green those trees are. And in that moment, I thought to myself, how is it that we could both be looking out the same window and focus on two different things? He's look, he's he's appreciating how green the trees are. And I'm I'm focused and irritated by how much rain we're getting. And so right. one of the 
one of the things Dean taught me was you, you know, you get to choose what you focus on. And, um, I learned that in that moment, not, not because of something he was trying to teach me, but just because of his perspective on life. He had the ability to see things differently than I did. And that was incredibly valuable. One of the things that Dean taught me that was really offensive to me actually, um, was when I was first interviewing with him. Okay. Um, he, he said to me, he said, Jason, I found that people that do really good in this, in this industry are people that believe in a higher power. And mm. at the time, at the time I considered myself an atheist. And so I was really offended by this uh, idea that he would talk about a higher power in a job interview. I was so angry about that. Well, a couple of years later, I ended up, I ended up inviting Jesus into my life and became a Christian. Wow. And now that's like the biggest, you know, the most important thing that ever happened to me. But uh, so, you know, I'm glad that I didn't get up and walk out of the interview because of my a anger towards him and his reference towards God in that uh, in that moment. Because, like I say, I don't know where I'd be today if it, if it weren't for that relationship with Dean. So, wow, that's um that's an amazing way to find yourself to uh, the Most High, as we call him. Um, it's funny because, and you'll have to forgive me, I am 100% uh, military. It's not an excuse. I'm sorry, Lord, I am working on it. You will hear me say some weird stuff every now and then. I shouldn't be saying. So I apologize in advance. But I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for your service in our military. Thank you, Oliver. Hey, I, I absolutely appreciate it. And I know everybody who's listening and watching right now appreciates it as well. You talked about perspective. With you working in the retirement arena, what's the one common perspective that you see people get wrong when it comes to planning for retirement? Okay, there's two ways that I would want to answer this question. The first one is understanding the biggest fear people have as they're getting ready to retire is they just want to make sure they're not going to run out of money in retirement. So that's right. kind of like the, the biggest question that people have. Are we going to be okay? But the way that I think most people mess this up and the way that we've done this different than and help, help people with this uh, dilemma, with this challenge, with this question, is a lot of people will just add up all of the money they've saved and then they'll try to figure out how much they can spend based on the amount that they've saved. And there's, you know, these um, withdrawal rules, like the 4% withdrawal rules, a mm, very popular okay. idea. And so what we've done is we said, look, if you really want to have confidence heading into retirement, instead of asking the question, how much can I spend based on how much I've saved? Instead, what you do is you focus all of your time understanding how much you currently spend and then that will help inform whether or not you've saved enough to be able to support a lifetime of spending. And so, for example, if you spend $40,000 a year, you would take that $40,000, multiply it by 25, and then that would give us the number that would tell us how much money you would have need to have saved to support $40,000 of spending, which is about a million dollars in that particular right. example. Right. Okay. So we just, we just do it different. We, we, we kind of took the whole formula and dumped it upside down. A lot of people say, you know, if I've saved a million dollars, how much can I spend? And we said, no, no, no. Let's figure out how much you spend, and then we'll tell you whether or not you've saved enough to support that spending. And that's that's what makes the retirement budget calculator so so unique is that it really focuses the entire equation on your spending. Now, speaking of retirement budget calculator, is is the calculator something that can allow anybody to do their retirement planning? Let's say a teenager runs across the retirement calculator. Is it that simple? Yeah, it is very simple. Um, we've broken down retirement into three steps. Um, number okay. one is how long are you going to live? Okay. 
Number two is how much have you saved? And number three is how much have you spent? And one, once we have all of that information, then we can start making projections into the future. Now, can a teenager use it? Sure, they could. But it was really designed for people within five years of retirement, people that are just getting ready to retire. So a lot of people that are using our calculator are like 55 years old, and they're just trying to figure out if they can retire, if they can retire early. Um, but when I had the opportunity to speak to some high school kids recently, and I, I was sharing with them. I said, look, the number one thing that nobody will ever teach you is if you're, if you're going to master this game of money, the, the most important thing you'll ever learn to do is to tell your money what to do at the beginning of every month instead of wondering where all of your money went at the end of every month. And in order to do that, that's called having a budget. And I know that's kind of a bad word for people, but you have to be—you have to have this level of discipline. Otherwise, what happens is over your lifetime, you, you'll make more and more money every year, but then you just spend more and more money. It's this lifestyle inflation, and you feel like you're never getting ahead. And then, you know, I've talked to married couples where um, they'll say, well, as soon as my wife gets a job, then we'll be okay. And then the wife gets a job. And and then they're making double the amount of income, but they're still not okay because they just haven't learned this basic discipline of telling your money where to go. So when we built the calculator, we built it. It's a freemium tool, meaning that some of the some of the tools in there are free for life. So if all you need to do is create a really good budget, a really good spending plan, you can do that for free when you sign up for the calculator. Or if you just want to add up your net worth, you, we, you know, we've got a net worth module in there to help people add up their net worth. But if you want to use any of the advanced tools like the um, cash flow forecasting into the future or the Roth conversion uh, simulator or the federal income tax calculator or any of these, uh, you know, if you want to model different withdrawal rates or assume different rates of return or look at past mm -hmm. performance of the stock market, if you want to do any of that, then there's a fee to have access to the calculator. But we wanted to make the fee affordable. So you can pay $9.95 a month to have access to the calculator. Or if you'd rather pay it annually, you get a discount. It's $95 a year to have access to all of those advanced features. Okay, nice. With Now, you so you talked about a lot there. There's a lot to go over. And we may not get to all of it here. But we can definitely hit the basics. And in that sense, one thing that you did mention was the fact that it's norm you it's targeted at those who are within five years of retiring. Here's yeah. the question. Is it is it ever too late to start planning your retirement? No, it's never too late. And some people um, in, in the work that I do where I walk life with people one on one, mm -hmm. again, the calculator is designed for the do it yourself crowd. It's for the people that don't necessarily want to work with an advisor. But I, I walk life with a lot of people that are making this journey into retirement. And a lot of times people have this guilt or the shame. They're like, they're, they'll say, geez, I feel like I'm starting so late. In fact, I just met with some people recently. They were in their late 40s and they said, wow. boy, we, we feel like we should have met with you years and years ago. And it's like, you guys are so far ahead of the curve in your late 40s. Most people really don't talk to an advisor until they're just getting ready to retire. You know, they're within like right. six months or a year. So no, it's never too late. But by using something like the calculator, it will give you a jump start over most people for the younger people out there. I know your focus is on the military community. And, you know, um, military folks, I found, uh, especially folks that retire from the military, are, can really have a strong, be in a very strong financial position. Right. Um, oftentimes, they'll have uh, guaranteed income coming in. They'll have TSP funds that they've saved over time. Yep. Um, they they will have Tricare where they have uh, health insurance at, at very affordable rates. Um, 
for life. And for a lot of people that are retiring, especially folks that are retiring early, health insurance can be one of their biggest expenses. So to have something like TRICARE that's covering your medical expenses, guaranteed pension income, and then a TSP to draw from, super, super uh, powerful. A lot of people continue to work after they retire from the military. So it's not uncommon for me to meet people that retire from the military and then go to work for the federal government and, and earn another pension through the federal employees retirement system. And there's two really great uh, resources I want to make your listeners aware of. Um, okay. People, if they want to learn more about the TSP and the federal federal retirement plan, and that is uh, Chris Barfield with Barfield Financial, um, and then also Dan Jameson. Those two guys specialize in benefits for federal employees, and they talk about the TSP, and they talk about strategies around the TSP, and they're trustworthy sources. Um, Dan Jameson is retired from the FBI and Chris Barfield, I believe he was a uh, he was in law enforcement, federal law enforcement. Um, so two two really good resources, and uh, and and they're both CPAs as well. So really great resources for planning. Love it, I love it, I love it. Right, so make sure you guys check out to Dan Jameson and Chris Barfield as well to to help yourself get on track. But please don't forget, Jason Parker's out there. It's somewhere in the ether. He's got a book. It's I'm telling you, it's useful. Um, all right, Jason. So with that said, with all the things you mentioned about, you know, having the plan being particularly with the military, having that TSP, having that, um, already laid out as far as your healthcare and, you know, sometimes having an IRA, self-directed IRA, things of that nature with that in mind, for those who do, who are in that transition right now, they are, let's say, what am I for? I'm 40. So let's say I'm, they're 40 years old. Um, 39, 40, they're four to three, three to five years from getting out the military. Would you advise them to go ahead and talk to an advisor first or to hop on something like the retirement calculator or the retirement budget calculator to get themselves started down that path? Yeah, the retirement budget calculator, again, the free tool that we've created. So not everybody needs the paid tools that we've created within the calculator, but just right. the free tools for understanding your budget and your spending are going to be huge because a lot of people really don't know how much they're spending every month. One of the things I found that can be really helpful, um, <clears throat> and you got to be careful with this, but buying a house before you retire. So making sure that you know, because while you're while you're employed and you're um, serving, your income is is good and you can qualify for a mortgage. And so a lot of guys say, you know, I want to, I want to move to a different location when I retire. They kind of have that mapped out. In fact, where I'm at here in Kitsap County, we have a huge, um, military retirement. Uh, we, you know, we've got the, we've got the banger sub base here and the, and the right. naval base here. And so we just, we get a lot of people that retire and it's a beautiful part of the world. But so that's one thing you want to be thinking about is qualifying for a mortgage while you still have good income and, making sure that you're going to be able to continue to afford that mortgage once you do retire because you don't want to get in over your head. Um, but like I say, I, I found a lot of guys, a lot of times people retiring from the military get recruited pretty heavily for some pretty good gigs. Like, uh, you know, some of the private employers, um, I know I've seen people go to Northrop Grumman out of the military or yep. they will go to, um, they'll be become federal uh, contractors for the federal government or, uh, we'll see people get hired over at Boeing or, I mean, there's just, it seems like uh, I know a, a friend of mine retired from the military, got hired on Amazon. So I, I just know that there's, you know, you guys have skill sets and leadership skills that a lot of the employers are looking for. So. 
Love, yeah, that's what they tell us. That's definitely <laughs> that's definitely what they tell us. And most of us are pretty pretty well versed in a lot of that, which is very advantageous when getting out of the military. Let's say, you know, you've got, like you said, you've got these folks who are getting ready to get out. You know, they're working on laying out their plan. And something you mentioned a second ago, which I'm finding learning now is very, very important, is knowing, being aware of what their spending looks like per month. Mm-hmm. As you go into something like the retirement budget, the retirement budget calculator, what things do they need to bring? Because you mentioned that, but I'm, I'm sure there's a litany of other things they need to have at least a, an awareness of, of, of to be able to be successful using the tool. Yeah. You know, you can set up a pretty good plan for yourself in about an hour. Oh, um, okay. the, the, the calculator does require data input. So you're going to have to put information in. So if you have your bank information, your credit card information, and you know where your spending's going, you can, you can start to model what that looks like. And there's, you know, people think that this budgeting thing is a, a big mystery, and it's really not. Most of your expenses are pretty constant. You know, things like garbage, water, sewer, right. paying for rent or a car or insurance. I mean, those things, that's not a big mystery. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen on a certain schedule. And <clears throat> it's one of the things we did in the calculator was we, we gave people a lot of granularity. It's actually how the calculator got started because I couldn't find any tools that really let me say, okay, I'm going to pay this bill every month. Um, my, my garbage bill, I only pay every other month. My car insurance, I only pay twice a year. Um, my property taxes, I pay once a year. So I wanted something that let me break down all those expenses and then be able to see it on a calendar because spending is not smooth. You know, some months are higher and some months are lower. And so to really get a granular feel for how those, those expenses are changing. The other thing that we did that makes the calculator unique is we allow people to mark expenses as either essential or discretionary. And that really helps from a retirement planning standpoint, because essential expenses are things you can't live without. You know, you, you have to pay for your rent. You have to have food. You have to put gas in your car and, and, and uh, pay for insurance. And there's some expenses that are absolutely essential to being able to survive. And then there's things that we pay for, like uh, going to Starbucks or Amazon uh, Prime or Net- Netflix uh, travel. You know, these are all discretionary expenses. These are things if we had to cut back, we could. And so in the calculator, we let people tag expenses as either essential or discretionary so they can see, okay, you know, if I had to live just based on this much income, could I cover my base expenses? And that's a lot different than covering all of your expenses. And so that was uh, something that we did that was unique in the calculator. So here's here's one for you. And there's a little bit of a curveball with what you do. You've seen a lot of people who are ready to get into retirement, but I'm also, I'm also sure you've seen some who aren't quite ready and you provide them some kind of advice when someone comes to you and they're not really ready in your eyes to actually get into the retirement planning. And they, there's like little things they got to do to get there. What's your advice when it's early enough in the game that they need to get after to get to that point where they're ready to retirement plan? You know, it's interesting. Um, Sometimes people think that if they've saved a lot of money, that Mm -hmm. that means that they're going to be ready for retirement. And that how much you saved is not the most important thing. And I can give you an example. I mean, I met this. I met uh, some people that had saved $10 million for retirement. And most people would think, boy, if you have $10 million, that's plenty of money. You should be able to retire. But if you're spent, (laughs) yeah, if you're spending seven or $800,000 a year, that $10 million oh, isn't wow. going to last for very long. Right. Right. So that, that's, why I, that's why I put all the focus on the spending number, 
not how much you've saved. Now, the flip side is true. I, I, I've met with people that uh, they're getting ready to retire. They're going to have Social Security income. They're going to have a little bit of pension income. They've got all their debt paid off. They've got a little bit of money in IRAs. And they, they live wonderfully. You know, they go on two cruises a year. Um, they, can, they, can, they live pretty simply. And so they don't have a lot of money saved, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars. But because they've kept their debt low and they've kept their expenses low, they're in a really strong position to retire. And so it really is the, the spending number that drives this entire equation. And the reality is the more, the more money people make, the worse they are at understanding their spending. So engineers and pilots and doctors and dentists and these people that just really make a lot of money, they're some of the worst at understanding how much they spend because they don't have to, they don't have to know the number. So, um, you know, a lot of times when we're, when all of us are first getting started in life, budgeting becomes like an absolute necessity. Otherwise there's just all this financial unrest in your house and your family. You know, if, right. if you never learn this lesson about how much to spend, there's just all this turmoil all the time. And so it's a really great exercise for the young people getting started out to sit down once a month, husband and wife sit down once a month and, and look at the numbers together and, you know, come up with a game plan. This is how much, this is how much we're going to spend and this is how we're going to do it. And, and we're going to stick to this and we're going to win as a team. And, like I say, it's it's like uh, personal finance 101. It's the most important part. And that's why we made that part free in the calculator, because regardless of how much money people have saved, everybody has to have a good spending plan. Okay. And I feel like in that, you just kind of gave away a little bit of what a troop to task would be for those to sit down with their with their spouse, their significant other, and figure that out, which I, I found personally very disturbing and enlightening at the same time. Because there's no more pressure than sitting down with your spouse and your spouse tells you, hey, listen, you got a little out of control with those pizzas last month. I need you to kind of dial it back. Now, granted, it wasn't about pizzas. I, you know, I'm not that much of a fat boy. It wasn't about pizzas. But, you know, you get my <laughs> you get my example. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really, really important. And that's a huge thing to sit down with your spouse and go over. Now, tell me, got tell me that's a, Go ahead. Did you, Absolutely. you call that trip trip to task. Is that what you call that? Troop to task. Troop to task is troop what that is. Yep, troop to task. Yep. So I've got one more, one more little tip I'll give you there, and that oh, well, here's it, what please. I found: the people who really win at this game, they, the, this seems like such a small difference, but most people mm -hmm. spend first and save what's left, and and the wealthiest people they invest first and spend what's left. Ooh, okay. You see how see how small of a difference that is. Yep. So the idea is money that comes in, the very first thing that has to happen, and this is one of the things my mentor, Dean, taught me. He said, Jason, you have to learn to pay yourself first. So the very first bill that should always get paid is the money that you're paying yourself first. It's got to go. You've got to become an investor first, and then you and then you uh, spend what's left. And for a lot of people that, you know, employers make that so easy these days because you can automatically have 10% of your money go directly into your 401k or your TSP. Right. And that's a really great way to pay yourself first and, you know, spend what's left of you. It just automates that process. And then once you get that money in those retirement accounts, you can't touch them. You know, that's, that, that, that's money for the future. Absolutely. I, what's key on what you just said that I, at least that I snatched up, you specifically said invest first. Not save first, of course Thank not you. spend first, but that invest first is that's not something that I've actually heard. You know, you always hear save or yeah, save, save first, spend what's left or 
you know, a spin first, save was less or, you know, whatever that is. But mm-hmm. there's very few times, if not uh, none at all, that I've o- only heard somebody say invest first, which is. Yes, it's huge. That's huge. Investing is different than saving. And I'll give you right. a, I'll give you. A, well, the, the thing I would say about becoming an investor is it requires you to be an optimist. Investing means two things. Number one, it means you have to have a vision for the future. And uh, there's a verse that says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. So we want people to have a strong vision for the future. And you want, and uh, and you have to be an optimist. You have to believe that people are going to continue to buy goods and services, that we're not going to go backwards. We're not going to turn into some bartering world where, you know, you're going to grow carrots and I'm going to bring gold and we're going to care, you know, swap that back and forth. That's just so stupid to even think that something like that's going to happen. And um, so you you have to believe that companies are going to continue to produce goods and services that make people's lives better. And Mm -hmm. when you have that belief system, then becoming an investor says, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Because really what it means is you're you're purchasing companies that are producing those goods and services. And so you absolutely want to be an investor. Um, A saver is people that operate out of a fear mindset first. An investor operates out of a confidence mindset. A fear, a fear-based anything in life is not a good way to operate. And um, there's a verse in Matthew 7 that says, he says, uh, it's about the parable of the talents. And he says, I was afraid, so I buried what you gave me. And then when the master returned, he said, you know, here's, here's back what, I, what you had given me originally. And I had read that verse so many times but then I read it and I thought, oh man, this guy, he made this huge mistake. He made, he made fear the number one uh, decision-making uh, tool. And you can't yeah. let fear, you can't let fear be the way that you make decisions. That's just a bad way to go about living a life. And so savers are people that typically are worried and fearful about the future. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't have any money in savings. But if you really want compounding working for you, if you really want your money to grow, you have to believe that the future is going to be better than the present. You've got to get that money invested. And you don't do that by buying crypto or taking the money to the casino or buying lottery tickets. That is not investing. That is gambling. That is speculation. Investing says, I want to, I want to own businesses that are producing goods and services. They have profit. They have revenue. They're selling things. And... Um, and then you don't want to buy individual companies. You just want to buy an index fund. You know, if, if you have nothing else that you, you have no research, nobody that can tell you what to do. If you just buy something like the S&P 500 index fund or the uh, total U.S. market index fund, I mean, they're low cost. They give you broad diversification. You're buying either some of the, you know, some of the biggest companies in the United States of America. And uh, that's, a, that's a really smart way to keep your fees low, be broadly diversified and invest. I, how, how did you feel? How did you feel about that comment about crypto? I saw you kind of smile. And I said, no, nah, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You mentioned it. So I, I, I cannot, I cannot argue with you in that sense because there is, um, I, I don't know, like sometimes I kind of think crypto is a calculated risk, but that's if you know what you're doing, right? Like if you are, if you've been working with crypto your entire life or all you do is study the patterns of crypto, I akin it to studying the patterns of um, real estate on the level of how the patterns work, right? But not necessarily as how secure real estate is. So crypto is still super young. 
It's extremely volatile. Um, there's people literally losing their socks every day. Like when the boom happened, there was a, a bunch of crypto millionaires. There's none of those drifting around uh, that are that public right now. They're all really quiet and they're quiet for a reason, right? So um, I, I can't argue with you. I just don't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> well, but at the same I time, I, like I did make a little bit of money. I'm not gonna lie, I made a little bit yeah, of money. Yeah, no, great. I know, I know. So uh, not, you're not alone, and there's so many people getting involved in that world. Um, but uh, the one, a couple of things I would tell you. Number one, I, I, did, I recorded a podcast at Sound Retirement mm-hmm. Radio called "The Truth About Bitcoin." And so, for people that really want to just understand what is crypto, how does it work, why is it, you know, why are people investing, what's Bitcoin? Um, you know, they can listen to that podcast because I'm not trying to sell them anything. You know, I'm not trying to right. sell them on, on crypto. I'm just trying to let them understand what what it is exactly that they're considering. That That's one thing that I would say. And then the other thing I would say is I'm not opposed to people taking speculative bets with. And, that, and again, that's what I consider. I consider it gambling. It's betting. Um, so as long as it as long as anything like that that you're doing represents with crypto, I'd probably say one percent or less of your, port, your your overall liquid net worth, then I'd be okay with it. Now, if you're going to buy some of these other speculative assets, or you want to buy individual stocks, or you want to you know do something that's more gambling, and you want to do that with less than five percent of your total liquid net worth, I'd be okay with that too. From a financial advisor, financial planning standpoint, we just don't want people to jeopardize their entire financial future on something they they really don't understand i heard a friend of mine said crypto is kind of like everything you don't understand about money and everything you don't understand about computers all mixed into one and, <laughs> yes it is yeah. yes it is that's a very it's a very accurate description of what it is and like i said i, I think i think you're for the most part just about fully right i mean of course you know my my contingency was uh, not my contingency my um my Reaction was kind of the gambling part and the crypto part because I understand the perspective, right? Because if you don't know, like I said, if you don't know what you're doing, it's it's sketchy. But I feel like the same thing can be said for real estate. The same thing can be said for, uh, you know, stop investing in stocks. You know, somebody can call you today and say, hey, there's this stock that's going to explode next week. You know, put, you know, put twenty twenty thousand dollars down on. That's not a good life choice. You need to do the research. That, that's gambling. That companies. Right, exactly. Yeah, see, exactly. That's, that's the same thing exactly. that's speculating. And, and what right. I'm recommending, just by being broadly diversified across you know, 500 of the biggest companies in the United States, you're not doing that. You're not taking any bets on a, a specific company. Absolutely. You're, um, you're, you're, but you are believing that companies are going to continue to produce goods and services that people are going to want to buy. And you get to own those businesses. And when you're an investor, you're an owner. Um, and when you buy, when you buy debt, when you buy bonds, you're a lender, you're lending money to people. And so I like to be an investor. I like to own businesses. You've got some of the smartest people in the world running these businesses and they're profit oriented. So as long as we continue to have a free market capitalist society where people are rewarded for um, making goods and services that make people's life better, I don't see that changing. You know, that's, um, that's not a bad thing. That's a, it's been a very, it's been, I mean, there's always bad parts associated with everything, but course, for the most part, capitalism has, capitalism has been a, a, a wonderful way to um, encourage people to do things that help humanity. And, um, Absolutely. and of course, you always get some people that come along and, and mess that Screw up. For but, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But they're yeah, usually, they're usually the minor, you know, they're not usually Absolutely. the majority of people. Absolutely. And, and like you said, the biggest thing, what I take away from what you said is like the biggest thing is the diversity part of it. 
don't put your eggs, as they say, don't put your eggs all in one basket. Right. So I think that's sound, sound advice. And with that said, I think we've covered the troop to task. So if you want the troop to task, go back a little bit, go listen. To, he gave Jason gave us two troop to task. One was accidental. One was on purpose. Birth were both were amazing. So I, I need you guys to go back and check that out. I like it. I like it. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Parker, Jason, I want to make sure they're able to get a hold of you and reach out to you. Outside of the obvious, retirementbudgetcalculator.com, where else can they reach out to you? Well, that's a great spot. And if they sign up, if they become premium members there, we've got a community portal that's built into the calculator. So it's a way for oh, people, nice. to, people that are on this retirement journey together to ask one another questions. And I hang out, I hang out in there. Um, Sound Retirement Radio is my podcast. And it actually started as a radio show. That's why it was called Sound Retirement Radio. And now it's exclusively oh, wow. a podcast. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and that's a good spot. Soundretirementplanning.com is where you can listen to the podcast or learn more about the books that I've written. And yeah, those those probably be the best places. I love it. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, remember you're better than you were, but you're not half as good as you're going to be. I want you to do me one favor to everybody listening, watching. Go punch the day in the face and win and have some success. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. 